Welcome to the Swing Mechanic Podcast. This is Jamie Savalas. And, you know, first I want to talk about one of my readers brought to my attention a study that was done uh, by Daniel A. Russell. And uh, I'll link to it in the show notes. He's with Penn State University. And it confirms what I wrote about in Swing Cheat Code, which is the bat bends forward prior to making contact with the ball. And I had realized this from analyzing video and photos of hitters and came to the realization that this was a very important aspect in swing mechanics and that the great hitters have more bend, more forward bend of the bat prior to contact than other hitters. And it's this forward bend that provides a slap to the ball. The less forward bend you have, the less slap that's going to be delivered into the ball, assuming the same amount of flex in the bat and the same amount of mass. Given those same parameters, if you have more forward bend just prior to contact, you're going to have more speed of the bat. And this study is more focused on, you know, I'm, my interest is not where this study's interest is. They are more interested in how can we get a, a baseball bat to perform better. And they're talking about things like, you know, what makes a wider sweet spot and um, does more flex in a baseball bat produce more power. And this is just not where my interest has ever lied. I'm not interested in things that you can buy that instantly make you better. It's just not. First of all, I think it's been pretty empty as far as discoveries in that realm. I mean, there's very little that simply improves your performance other than like you know just switching to a metal bat but that's not even allowed in in most leagues and uh besides if what makes you better is something that you buy well obviously anybody can buy it so you're not going to have that competitive advantage for very long so i just don't care to even delve into that it's so boring to me to to talk about you know those are performance aids i like training aids i'm into what you can do in your training to accelerate your improvement beyond your peers so that's where this study kind of goes it's more interested in that um but it does talk about how the bat bends forward prior to contact. Now, their conclusion in this article written online is this. I'll read it. Analysis of high-speed video recordings of thousands of swings by Major League Baseball players showed that the potential energy stored in whip flexing of the bat during swings accounts for only about 0.5% of the total energy in the bat ball system. So my response to this is that, yes, 
if you are recording mostly average players, then it, there's probably not a significant amount of energy that is being transferred from this whip action, as they call it, or as I call it, the forward bend of the bat. But if you were to analyze the very, very best hitters of all time and compare them to this average that they got, the 0.5%, then I think you would see that it's more like 10%. And when you're talking 10% in a pop-up that normally would go you know, to one of the outfielders, that's instead it's going to fly over the fence. And then fly balls that are normally at the warning track, they're going to be well over the fence. So there's the difference. So again, you know, their conclusion, of course they reached that conclusion. Now, first of all, this study does show that, that I'm correct in my analysis that the forward bend, that the bat actually does bend forward prior to contact. Um, what they are missing is that it bends farther, farther forward for the, for the very best players than it does for everyone else. And this is a significant difference in the mechanics of the swing. A significant added speed element to the barrel as it travels through the zone. This is, again, this is something that no other hitting coach or swing guru out there is talking about. This forward bend is one of the key elements that the greatest hitters have in their swing. And it's a, a key advantage. And it's it just goes right along. It, it's something that comes with the front arm dominant swing. Again, once you switch to a front arm dominant swing, you get these systems free it's just it just comes as a side dish that you can't not order i mean that that's you need to understand that it's a shift in the way that we look at swing mechanics you know all the other hitting coaches out there talk about you know putting your back foot in this position and making sure your hips start the swing and all these, you know, elements and, and theories and, and tips that, that don't, that what they're trying to do is that they're, I think of it like a clay model, like they're trying to piece together the different parts of the swing one by one. And have you ever noticed all the great hitters, all of them didn't have a piece together swing? Have you ever noticed that when these gurus out there instruct someone on the swing and this person is doing exactly what they say, have you ever noticed that their swing looks nothing like the very greats? And oftentimes it looks even worse than the average hitters. They look like machines the way they swing. It's because these gurus are off the mark in how they understand the swing. And so when they when they start their instruction on someone, it, it really starts putting dents into the system, into their swing. It starts making it worse because it mucks up 
the, the natural ability of our minds and our bodies to figure out the very best way of doing things. So this is a cool study. And again, I'll link to it in the notes. Check it out. And what I also want to talk about is the biggest misconceptions within hitting. And so if you break hitting down into five skills, you have hand-eye coordination, swing mechanics, the mental approach, strength and speed, and pitch recognition. So I want to talk about the biggest misconceptions within each of those skills. And, you know, this is another thing I don't ever see other hitting coaches or swing coaches talk about breaking hitting down into its five core um, skills. And by doing that, you know, you're able to, to, to hone in on these skills. You know, yes, it's good to work on all of them at once, which would be game simulation. But you know, these new school guys are all about this game simulation. Stress the system is what they say. It's one of the big beliefs that they have. And, and again, this is something to just take your, your eyes off what they're saying about swing mechanics. Um, because there's nothing special that they're saying about the swing mechanics. So they say, well, we like to stress, stress the system. And so they put them in, you know, I think of driveline with this driveline's all about just stress the system so that a game is, seems so unstressful. And there is something to that, but again, it's not going to move the needle that much. I mean, if you have poor swing mechanics, just stressing the system is not going to improve your your performance all that much so what what's yes you need to simulate a game every now and then i totally agree with that but man i wouldn't base my whole uh system and approach to training around you know making it practice like a game or more stressful than a game so instead I like practice to be more cognitive, more thought-provoking, more planned out, more specific in what you're doing. In other words, I like to take the general uh, craft of hitting or any craft and then break it down into its small parts. And I think I started doing this with juggling. Juggling is, is uh, something I'd learned to do, got to a professional level. Uh, at one point in my life, um, I still like to juggle every now and then. But juggling uh, taught me that you have to chunk things down because balls would just fly all over the place and you'd be picking them up all the time if you didn't first cut down the number of balls that you're juggling and work on a movement pattern. Just work on introducing that new movement pattern to your body and then slowly work in more balls to juggle. So in in that line of thinking, I like to transfer that same line of thinking to the skill of hitting and break it down into sub skills. So we have again, hand-eye coordination, swing mechanics, the mental approach, 
strength and speed, and pitch recognition. So the first one, and again, I'm going to go through the biggest misconceptions in each of these. And the first one, hand-eye coordination. And this is probably the first skill that gets developed in us. And what I generally say is that once you reach Little League, that skill is pretty much tapped out. You're not going to get all that much better because you practice juggling five balls at hitting. You're not going to get better at hitting because you improve your hand-eye coordination to a ridiculous degree. Hand-eye coordination is a part of hitting. I just don't think there's... I think it's pretty much tapped out at an early stage. Again, I bought into the hand-eye coordination. That's what hitting is all about when I was young. And again, I, that's a big reason why I became a professional level juggler. And I just wanted to make sure that if hand-eye coordination was what hitting was about, that I was going to definitely work on my hand-eye coordination. And it never did anything for my hitting. And so, you know, uh, and all the the thin barrel work, you know, hitting beans with a thin barrel bat, you know, we like to think that that's going to do a whole lot. It just doesn't do a whole lot. I don't think it's a terrible drill. It can be, you know, it's a fun drill to do every now and then, and I'm sure it's got its benefits for performance. But I think that hand-eye coordination is probably something that you should work on, you know, once every week or two weeks. You know, it's just not a huge uh, part of of hitting. Um, again, it's tapped out at an early age. So I think the biggest misconception in hand-eye coordination is that it's a big deal. Um, it should be worked on. Take your thin barrel bat, hit some beans being pitched to you every now and then. Um, what you're going to find is that once your swing mechanics get where they need to be, that it's going to be way easier to make contact with those beans with a thin barrel bat. So it's really... You could be working on getting better at hand-eye coordination until you're blue in the face, but if your swing mechanics aren't there, you're not going to be making the contact uh, consistently that you want to make. So the, the next skill is uh, swing mechanics. And this is one of the skills, the sub-skills of hitting, that is uh, there is a huge opportunity within it right now. Right now, even at the major league level, even some of the very good hitters at the major league level are underachieving in their swing mechanics. We are in an era right now of swing mechanics where we're going to look back in about a decade and just, it's going to seem like uh, those old basketball videos where guys are dribbling with one hand in circles. And, you know, it's swing mechanics are uh, it's about to we're about to hit a revolution in swing mechanics um the biggest misconception right now is that launch angle is a measurement that you should base all of your swing theories on that is the biggest misconception going on right now in swing mechanics 
Think about this. Launch angle is a single number on a page that is measured from a very specific angle. And the thing that it's measuring is in two dimensions. So it's, it's really not even a three dimensional measurement. It's something that's measured from a very specific point of view. And then, like I said, it's a two dimensional measurement. And this is what guys are basing their whole approach to swing mechanics on. You know, this is, it's nothing more, nothing less than something that we're just going to look back on and, and think that it's so silly. You know, we're in the very, very novice stages of understanding swing mechanics as a, as a whole, as a group. And the front arm dominant swing is going to, to change that. It's going to cause a little revolution within baseball in the swing mechanics realm. Um, but the big thing that, that this is missing is that it's not launch, launch angle is not, well, let's put it this way. Launch angle, obviously home runs fall within a certain launch angle, okay? But launch angle, this is, this is kind of confusing to talk about, but launch angle is not controllable. Now, can you swing a certain way that'll make it more likely that you'll hit the bottom half of the ball? Yeah, obviously, if you swing upwards more, you're going to more often hit the bottom half of the ball. But it's just not launch angle that's important. And this is coming, this is right out of the data coming from Major League Baseball. There is no correlation between the best launch angle guys and the best numbers. What matters is barrel force, the amount of mass and speed behind the barrel as it's going through the zone. That's what matters. Because, yes, you can change your whole swing so that it's so you're swinging up more to get a, you know, launch angles that match home run launch angles more. But you're only increasing your odds of a quote unquote, better launch angle by just a little bit. And for the most part, launch angle is still random. In other words, launch angle is not something that you can directly control. And there's something very important to talk about here because this is a huge life lesson, you know, Yes, there's so much coming at us, you know, that we can't control. And one of the big lessons in life is stop trying to change things that you can't control. That's a huge lesson. It's, it's one of the, the important aspects of growing up into an adult, having responsibility, ownership, and responsibility, and... Uh, 
accountability. And this whole movement of these new school swing hitting coaches is based on trying to control something that is out there and uh, and uncontrollable for the most part. Now, could you again, could you change your swing to get more home run launch angles? Yes, you're going to but you're going to adjust all your mechanics just to improve the possibility of having a better launch uh, a more home run uh, prone launch angle. I mean, you're going to completely revamp your swing just to get that launch angle where it needs to go. There's so much more to the swing than just the launch angle. And by the way, doing that will not improve your launch angle odds all that much anyways. Again, launch angle is quite random, okay? Here's what we should be... Here's another misconception within swing mechanics is that you can control where on the ball the bat strikes. This is preposterous. And this is what things like the backspin tee is based on. Is based on the more you practice hitting the bottom of the ball, the more you're going to hit the bottom of the ball in practice. I mean, in games. Here's what we should be doing, guys. We should be hitting the center of the ball in practice. And we should be um, having the most barrel force possible. Focusing and putting your energy and time into focusing on hitting a portion of the ball is a complete joke. You should be aiming for the very center of the ball. And if your barrel force is high enough, consistently enough, the odds will have it that sometimes when the barrel meets the ball, it's going to be a home run. And more often than not, if the barrel force is high, then you're going to have higher amounts of home runs. But just try, if you're trying to aim for the bottom half of the ball, first of all, that's nonsense. When you're talking 80 plus, 90 plus, and even into the 100 mile an hour pitches, with movement on some of those speeds, let's not be silly and think that we can hit an exact portion of the ball. So I think the launch angle revolution is, you know, we need to, anyone who's bought into that, you need to see that it's completely preposterous that you base all of your, and, and guys have out there, you know, Bobby Tewksbury and a lot of these, mo all, I mean, basically all of these new school guys, new school hitting coaches are basing everything they teach in the swing about quote unquote getting on plane so you can have a better launch angle. It's all stems from the launch angle and it's really silly. So moving on to the next sub skill of hitting the mental approach. And, and I think that there's some opportunity in the mental approach. I think that the whole nonsense of hitting being 90% mental or any craft for that matter being 90% mental I think that obviously everything is mental 
but to just write it off as, oh, it's a mental thing. I mean, that's oftentimes what the hitting coaches out there say because they're just not confident in their theories of the swing. But I do believe there are some opportunities in the mental approach, of course. It's um, it's less of a rah-rah thing, the mental approach game, than it is than what a lot of the coaches out there want to make it. It's more about doing the right repetition of certain things. And I'll give you an example. It's very important to visualize the negative. In other words, visualize yourself striking out for the fourth time in a game and walking back to the dugout. How do you handle that situation? And visualize yourself being a complete pro in that situation. What this does is, one, it makes you less afraid of this negative event. And you'd be amazed at how many things we fear and we don't even realize it. And it holds us back. It stiffens us up during performance. So visualizing the negative, that's one thing that I think would clear up so much of the mental approach for many hitters. There's another thing. How about just practicing not getting too up or too down about anything? I think a lot of times, you know, these great hitters and and even great golfers, what they are from a mental perspective, oftentimes is very even keel. You don't find them getting real, real excited about thinking about future events where they could do this or could do that. And at the same time, they don't get overly upset about things that happened in the past or things that might happen in the future. They're just not getting too uptight about anything, anything really, but they don't spend a whole lot of time worrying about the future or getting excited about the future or worrying about the past or getting excited about the past. Um, I think that this is a, a big deal. And I think that oftentimes I think it's really stems from getting too excited about the future. That's sort of the drug that people get addicted to is thinking about how great things are going to be when they finally reach X, Y, and Z goal. And that's living too much for the future, one. And two, if you're getting real, real excited about something, chances are it's going to go the other way. Remember, you know, every, as Heraclitus said, all flows. Um, he was a famous philosopher. And, and it's true, you know, if you're too excited about the future right now, most likely very soon you're going to be down either about the future or the past or the present, and you're going to be just as down as you were up. So I think that it's important to, as a hitter, stay pretty even keel, you know. Um, obviously celebrate your successes, but try not to get too up or too down about the future or the past. And... Uh, A teammate of mine taught me that years ago. I knew it was a very wise statement when it came out of his mouth, but I didn't really internalize it until much later in my life. But I think that that could be a very helpful thing mentally for hitters. So, you know, my thing is not the mental approach, but I do have some thoughts on it. I do, maybe someday I'll write about it and get my thoughts out. But 
I don't spend too much time thinking about it. Um, and uh, we can move on to the next one, which is um, strength and speed. You know, I think the biggest misconception is that your off-season routine has to look like the CrossFit Games. You know, I think obviously that Barry Bonds showed us how important it is to be muscular, to have a lot of mass, and obviously we should be building mass as much as we can. But we're missing things like more the, the movements that improve the tendon strength and the ligament strength and keep us away from injury. You know, the swing is a hard movement on the body. And I think oftentimes our bodies slow down through the swing just to protect ourselves because we really don't have the ligament strength and the, um, the connective tissue demands that the swing, uh, or I mean, uh, that the swing demands. And uh, oftentimes, like I said, your body just, it's, it slows down just to protect you. Because the swing is very, very hard on your body. So you don't want to have an off-season routine that is also hard on your body. I think that it should be more of a um, strengthening and lengthening and mobility work. Um, I like to do something called ground wrestling. And that's just using gravity and getting on the ground and moving in ways that really challenge your strength and flexibility and mobility. Um, for one, I move very slow, so it's almost impossible to get injured like this. If you do feel some sort of, um, feeling in, in a part of your body that you feel like you just, you should stay away from, it's easy to do that. That's why I like ground wrestling. Um, you can just, uh, you can work your muscles very well and, and avoid injury. Injury prevention, guys, is so key. I mean, it's almost, it's almost the reason for your exercise routine. You should almost think of it as that. Like, we're looking at, yes, we need to be building mass. We need to be building mobility. And, of course, we need to be building that. Again, Barry Bonds showed us how important that is. But we just need to spend more time building what most people look at as the boring stuff, which is the more the gymnastics ground movement, animal movements, um, type of routines. And lastly, the last sub skill of hitting is pitch recognition. And I think the biggest misconception in pitch recognition is that it can be trained in two dimensions. I think the, the video work for pitch recognition is way overhyped right now. Uh, I think it has more to do with the fact that teams are just looking for technology to solve their problems. And so they're going to the iPads and giving their players iPads to, to view pitches. This is, again, it's what makes coaches feel like they're on the cutting edge. Right now we're, we're at a time where coaches want to buy expensive technology because that is like a stamp of approval that says, I'm on the cutting edge, I'm not being left behind like these dinosaur old school swing coaches. I'm not one of them. 
so obviously, you know, again, it goes, it goes back to what I touched on earlier, where buying a piece of equipment should never be what makes you better. Bottom line. And that goes for baseball players and it goes for swing coaches. And, um, so those are my biggest misconceptions within all five sub skills of hitting. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Um, again, listen to these podcasts while you practice, you know, um, set up your tee and your net and, uh, Take a listen while you practice and uh, stay in touch with my blog at theswingmechanic.com. Subscribe to my YouTube channel. I'm Jamie Savalas on YouTube. Uh, Thank you guys for listening. And until next time, take care.